Blog Talk Radio. Live right here on Indie Fire with Nikia, your host. Happy August. Today is Thursday, August the first, and um, yeah, I'm I'm just so excited for so many different reasons. Um, that right there was an instrumental of a track that we worked on at Metal to Music Records a couple of years ago. Um, and it was inspired by Citizen Cope. That's actually, uh, again, the instrumental to On Fire. So appropriate for Indie Fire. Um, but that's the instrumental um, to On Fire. Shout out to my producer, Franz H, for um, coming up with that right there. Um, no, no, no lyrics to it. Um, just something mellow um, as we still wait for our intro music. Yes, excited to be here with you this evening with our special guest, independent children's book author, Miss Pamela Bolin. I have no news. I have no news. I've been pretty low-key on the past two days, so I have no news. Not really sure what's going on. Um, birthdays, no birthdays. No, I have some birthdays coming up. Um, so since we know we actually do air on Saturday, so I will give that, that – um, 
that birthday on Saturday because uh, it is on it's on Sunday. Um, so since I have no news, we'll jump right into this interview because I'm I'm super excited. I have been talking about Miss Pamela Folan for a couple of weeks now, um, just because it is a little out of um, my scope of um, things that I know about. You know, I'm not I don't know a lot about pets. You know. And um, children's books, you know, I haven't read to a, a young child in a while, and I myself haven't read any children's books in a while. I take that back. I did have, you know, I did have to dive into um, these children's books just so that I would be knowledgeable as to what I spoke of this evening. And it took me a while because, you know, all of the authors that we've had on the show this year have been, um, what, paranormal authors, Christian fiction authors, um, erotic authors, romance authors, all for adults, right? And so um, my mindset has been in one area. So when I dove in to start reading um, the Megan's World series, my mind was on a different level. And I started reading, and I couldn't comprehend anything at all, right? Because I'm reading about little kittens, and I'm reading about pet sitting, and I'm reading about first crushes. And, guys, I've had probably a thousand crushes in my life, and so nothing is making any sense, right? So I had to start over and, you know, um, take a nice bubble bath and think to way way back when I was like in the sixth grade and I had, okay, fourth grade, and I had my first crush. And then it all started to make sense. All right. I thought about, um, I'm just going to say Mark. I'm not even going to say his last name because I don't even remember. And um, he was the cutest little boy, and he had brown eyes and brown hair, and his best friend's name was also Mark, and um, and I just couldn't decide which one I liked the most, and I just had crush on both of them, and once I got in that, you know, state of mind, I could read all about Megan and these kittens, and the the pet sitting, and um, finally I got to book number six, all right, and Megan is in the eighth grade, you know what, look, stop, let me stop, let me stop, I don't even want to, I don't even want to go there, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to the author of the Megan's World series, and then we're going to talk all about um, the series of books, from book number one to book number six. And something that wasn't mentioned too much in her bio, guys, I found out, um, you know, I I tend to um, not, I don't want to keep calling it stalk people's pages, but I do. I stalk their pages and their websites because I like to know all about my guests. But I was stalking her website a few days ago, and I found out some more information. And I'm so excited to talk more about um, something else I found out um, that's going to um, just amaze you guys even more, all right? I'm talking about my guest this evening, uh, again, independent children's book author, Ms. Pamela Folan. Again, she's an independent children's book author with a platform of pet care and how pets can teach children valuable skills such as responsibility, confidence, love, 
patience, empathy, etc., who grew up in Plano, Texas. She graduated from the University of Texas at Dallas with a Bachelor of Science degree in biology and a minor in business in 2005. Her love of animals started at a very young age. As a child, she was constantly bringing home stray dogs and injured birds. As an adult, her love of animals has only grown stronger. Pamela has worked in numerous pet hotels as a dog trainer and is a certified or and is certified to teach pets first aid and CPR. All her experience with pets culminated four years ago when Pamela found and raised an abandoned litter of day-old kittens. Not able to part with any of these now-grown babies, Pamela enjoys going home to her little munchkins every night. This experience gave Pamela the inspiration for her series debut, Megan's Munchkins. Pamela will always have a special affinity with Megan because of their shared experiences. She truly believes there are few experiences in, in life more compelling than saving the life of another being. Follow her on her website at PamelaFolan.com. In the silent listening audience, I present to you this evening my very, very special guest, Miss Pamela Folan. I'm so proud of myself. I hit the applause button. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's, you, you have no idea. That's something that, like, I sit over here and I clap and and not realizing I'm the one who has to hit the applause button. So I am, look, I started out August perfect. I probably won't do it on the next episode, but I am I'm proud of myself. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you this evening? <laughs> Good. How about you? I am awesome. I am awesome. <laughs> so I I want to jump right into this. Like I read your bio over and over again, and it seems like it's, I'm the same way when I listen to music. Each time I hear an artist, I hear something different. Each time I recognize something different, um, and it seems like each time I read your bio, I've noticed something each time, and so. I know that the four kittens, um, the one-day-old kittens, I know that in the very first book, Megan finds these these one-day-old kittens. I just realized in your bio that you find the one-day-old kittens. I just put that correlation yep. together because that was going <laughs> to be my first question. <laughs> Where did the whole Megan's World series come from and that, that name, Megan, and now I see that you actually found the one-day-old kittens. Is your middle name Megan? No. Megan no? is just a character name that I came up with as I started writing the series. She had no name for about 20 pages in the series. I just couldn't come up with the character name I liked, and then all of a sudden it just Megan started hitting the page, and it stuck. But now I see that it's a real-life experience because you actually found a litter of one-day-old kittens. I did, yes. I found a litter of one-day-old kittens six years ago and had been journaling or writing short stories and doing stuff uh, with writing and creativity on and off throughout my life. It was always something that was relaxing and enjoying to me. But once I found the litter of day-old kittens and Bob will raise them and 
started up my own diary of, you know, how they were developing and what I was having to do to care for them. I thought this would be a perfect story to write about not only just to share my experience of raising them, but do it from a child's or a teenager's point of view uh, to not only make it a fun read, but also to teach young readers how much responsibility does go into having a pet of your own through the ultimate task of raising completely helpless day old kittens that most people don't have that experience. So I'm just, I'm really just all, my mind is, 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 is full of questions all over the board right now. How did you come to pull all of this together as uh, an individual who um, obtained an agree, a, a degree in biology and then as a, a writer and then someone with a passion for pets? How did you pull all of this together and then begin to well, start writing about pets? Well, I grew up with a house full of animals, and uh, my mom and dad are as big of pet lovers as I am. So I was taught, you know, from a very young age how to care for pets and how to approach pets and all those good skills to where I always loved being around pets. In fact, that house full of animals was not enough for me. I was continually wanting to help every stray dog or injured bird that I saw when we were out walking the neighborhood. I tried to hatch every bird egg I found on the ground in the springtime that blew from the nest. Um, And like I said, I've been writing short stories and journaling almost all my life in some form. And um, it was when I hit high school that I really started enjoying my science classes and my love of animals kind of combined with my new love of science. And um, once I got closer and closer to college, I decided, you know, I knew I wanted to work with animals. So as I got to college, I decided, okay, a biology degree would be uh, the perfect degree for me to be able to continue working with animals once I graduated. So that's what led me to the biology degree. And then being the dog trainer and uh, pet first aid instructor was fantastic. Because for those 10 years that I did that, it was not a job. It was fun. I got to go see all sorts of pets and be around pet lovers all day and meet all sorts of pets and people that I wouldn't have had contact with any other way. And so there, you know, the, uh, Megan's pet sitting adventure and the lots of the uh, animals that she pet sits for are based on my own clients that I pet sat for or that I knew through the pet hotels when I was working there because they just had great personalities. And I, after I finished, I kind of uh, changed jobs for about five, six years after working in the pet hotels. I took an office job and insurance office and was just, I was actually kind of happy because for the first time I actually had normal nine to five type hours. So it was like, wow, I have all this 
time, which was very <laughs> beneficial, especially once I found and started ra- uh, bottle raising the one-day-old kittens. I mean, I needed the extra time. I could never have done it if I was working 15 hours at the pet hotel still. Mm-hmm. But um, do, just ha- I think just having that office job uh, and still having that creative side to me and then having the incredible experience of raising the day-old kittens. Of course, when I was in the process of doing it that first six months of the kitten's life, I was keeping notes for myself of what I was doing, how I was doing it, how much they were eating, how much they weighed, and the whole nine yards, taking as many pictures of them as I could. But the actual start of wanting to write the story didn't come until they were over a year old. And then I started uh, changing the story because initially I thought, oh, since I was an adult raising them, should I do it from an adult's point of view? And I started writing a whole different version of Megan's Munchkins. And then I brought it down to, no, I want a a 13-year-old girl to find and do it. So it's from a child's point of view. And I started writing the... uh, draft of Megan's Munchkins that it took me it took me probably a good three years to go through the draft because it started off very very one-dimensional meaning that Megan was I I had the outline of what Megan was doing to raise the kittens but there was no background or no way to make my audience connect with Megan and really want to pull for her in her experience of raising the kittens. So it was really after uh, my dog, Sunny, passed away in 2015 that I started to really get driven to, okay, I really want to get these books out here to talk about pet care because, to me, writing became like my grief therapy. I would come home and I would just write just because I – needed something to do. The house seemed empty without my dog in it, even though I had my cat still. So that's when Megan's Munchkins and the Megan's World Series really started to take form and take shape to where Megan's Munchkins came out in September of 2017. I see. Now, I know a lot of a lot of authors, when they write um like from different character points of view, they have they may have to do research. All right, say like female writing from a male point of view, they may have to do research um, to write from that perspective or from that point of view. And we were discussing before the show. I was asking how hard was it for you to write from a thirteen or fourteen year old's point of view. And your response was you still had journals from when you were in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Can you discuss that for me? Well, it, it's something that I will I will start writing, and I'll get an idea, the idea of what um, I want the particular book I'm working on to be. And I'll have the outline, and I'll just start writing. And then usually once I finish the rough draft, I usually don't go to any of my journals or anything till I get the rough draft on my computer because I just feel like it interrupts my writing flow. 
And then once I have that rough draft going, I'll go back through it and say, okay, you know, she Megan really doesn't sound like a 13-year-old anymore. She sounds like a 25-year-old, so I've got to adjust this. <laughs> and so I will go pull my journals, and I will read and remind myself of, okay, that's right. You can't even think or do anything but grin like an idiot when the boy that you have a crush on is in front of you. And you almost <laughs> walk into walls, and, you know, you just – feel like you can't say anything coherent and so it was reading those diaries and those journals to get myself back into a 13 14 year old mindset that helped me polish the rough draft into a draft that I could then send to my content editor and she's been a tremendous help in getting it, okay, well, you're saying this, but why is Megan feeling this? And she'll point out little holes in my plot before the books are published to say, okay, you need to explain this, and this isn't going to be clear because not everybody has a 13-, 14-year-old mindset. Mm -hmm. And so my content editor has been very helpful in getting getting the holes that I don't find in the plot that isn't consistent with a 13- or 14-year-old mindset to be consistent then throughout the books. So currently there are six books in the Mega's World series, correct? Yes. So book one is Megan's Munchkins, correct? Yes. Megan finds four abandoned one-day-old kittens. Yes. And then what else happens in the book? Well, Megan Megan is uh, 13 years old, and she's walking home from school on spring break, and she finds these abandoned one-day-old kittens. And she has been asking her parents for years to let her have a pet. And her parents say, no, you need, to, you need to grow up a little bit more. You need to get a little bit more mature, a little bit more responsible. Your grades aren't that good in school. You just, we just need some more time before we're going to let you have a pet. Well, Megan sees these helpless, dehydrated, one-day-old kittens, and she can't resist saving them. So she takes them home and raises them in secret from her parents, feeling horrible about hiding the kittens and lying to her parents, but she starts growing up just because of the new responsibility of taking care of the kittens and her desire to help these kittens. She starts doing more chores around the house, trying to cover for a reason to stay home with her kittens and she starts studying her schoolwork more because she's staying in the room to make sure she doesn't miss the next feeding time and so it's just a real neat lesson for young readers to see they learn about honesty and responsibility and pet care in Megan's Munchkins. We're going to fast forward in between, we have book two, Megan's Pet Sitting Adventure. Book three, Megan the Pet Whisperer. Megan's uh, birthday, book four, she turns 14. 
Um, she's planning a slumber party, um, book five, Megan's Challenge. Um, she's going to observe um, staying and neutering at a, a clinic. Um, on to book six, Megan's First Crush, which is the book that I actually got the opportunity to read. Um, this is the latest book where Megan starts the eighth grade and um, meets, I forgot his name, starts with a J. Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you give our listeners just a synopsis of book six? Well, Megan has never really been interested in boys or makeup or, cl- or the latest clothing designs like her friends at school are, but all of a sudden when the new school year starts in eighth grade, she finds that when she's in front of the new boy, Jacob, she just gets tongue-tied. She <laughs> just <laughs> cannot say anything coherently, and her friends are looking at her like she's lost her mind, and she's thinking, what's wrong with me? I'm, I want to be a vet when I grow up. I love pets, but I don't want to be I don't, have never been boy crazy and um but she had she ha- ha- developed a crush on Jacob and you know as a teenager you can't say anything right when you're in front of the uh boy you have a crush on so when she finds out that not only is Jacob in her English class, but she has to do an oral presentation of her how what I did over the summer vacation essay, she has to figure out a way to overcome her shyness around Jacob so that she can get a good grade on her essay. <laughs> and the whole time, I'm just – everything – is it hilarious to me because it's bringing back so many memories um, <laughs> of so just so many different um, things that occurred in middle school um, for me. And it, it also takes you through, and I, I just did just a quick, you know, I, I skipped over that because it takes you from when she first um, found the kittens to now, you know, um, she came home the first day of school and, you know, the kittens have slept all day and um, she has the, she's proven to her parents that she's capable of, you know, taking care of the kittens. And um, I forgot the the young man's name, um, but he asked her advice. You know, he had his dog choked during the summer and, you know, she had the opportunity of saving a a dog um, during the summer. And, and so she's proven herself responsible um, how to take care of animals. And, and so, um, but, but in in Pamela's bio, um, she it, it mentions that she um, wants to and does also teach children the valuable skills, um, such as you know responsibly being able to take care of pets, um, and and the series it teaches that all the way through, and um, I think that is so important that even even as a parent reading the book. Um, you can still instill that, you know, in your children. Children reading the book, they're able to pick up on these skills. Um, young children, um, teenage children, and again, adults as well. You're able to teach that to your children. Um, and this again is the Megan's World series um, by author Pamela Olin. Um, in writing your books, what is the most 
surprising thing that you have been able to discover? Surprising about writing the series or about the characters or which one? And just creating your books in general. What's What's been the most surprising to you? Probably the way that I've learned as the series progresses that I may have started with I may when I first started Megan's Munchkins I was very rigid of I had an outline I had a very detailed outline and I stuck with it and over the course of the revisions before the book was released I deviated from the outline a whole whole lot to the product that is available today and so I've the most surprising thing is how I can completely relax on my outlines. I don't even necessarily make a detailed outline anymore. I have the bullet points of the main chapters, what's <clears throat> going to be going on. But then I just let it come because if I try to put it in a real, real structured outline, it just won't feel natural when I'm writing. It's like, okay, this was not Megan's personality. This does not match and stay consistent. So that's been very surprising to me, how I can just have big bullet points for the main points of the chapters and the rest of it kind of just builds itself in by keeping all the characters consistent. Would you say that once you published your first um, book in the series, did it change the way you wrote in any way? Or would you say that your writing remained consistent? I, I, think, I, think it, I, think it de- I think it definitely, I've definitely learned and I've definitely grown as an author. Just every, every book I write, every book that I publish, I just never never stop learning. I've read every book I can get my hands on about creative writing and writing for children and self-publishing and all that type of thing. So, I'm still I'm still learning, so I feel like I'm still uh growing as an author and I found a very good rhythm to keeping Megan's world consistent and coherent throughout the series and throughout each book so that readers aren't scratching their heads saying, well, she never did this before. This isn't (laughs) Megan's character because I'm real good at finding that in TV series or in books and be like, wait a second, this character went here. (laughs) And it drives me crazy, so I don't want to do that to my readers. I know that you mentioned um, after the passing of Sunny that you kind of use um, this series more of an outlet um, to get through your grief. You you just wrote more. Um, Was it, did you find it hard to stay disciplined um, and write then? Or did you find dealing with the grief a distraction? I I found that coming home and 
giving myself the goal of I wanted to write a thousand words or whatever my or finish the chapter that I was working on, whatever was was something to distract me from I don't have a dog that I have to go walk. I don't have to feed Sunny. It was just enough of a distraction for me that it helped me get through the process. And that's not, it's not that I didn't miss him as much. It just gave me something else to be doing at a time where normally he and I were going for a walk. And now you guys are probably wondering, like, who who is Sunny? Like, what what is she talking about? Um, and I mentioned earlier before I read the bio that I wanted to discuss something extra, extra special or someone extra, extra special. Um, and that that is Sunny. I as I was um, reading on the website, I discovered uh, someone else um, besides Megan who was special and. That was the legacy of Sunny. And I seem to remember um, hearing about Sunny some years ago because of a Super Bowl prediction. Yes. Um, and Sunny is what well, was known as the Wonder Dog, right? Um, Sunny the yes. Wonder Dog series was based on Pamela's real life. Shitsu by the name of Sunny. During Sunny's nine years of life, he and Pamela had a very close bond. He was very intelligent and tuned in to Pamela's feelings. It was at the request of a pet resort's training director that Pamela taught Sunny to read. In fact, it was the only trick he would perform. Simple dog tricks were just boring. Over several years, Sunny learned words, numbers, shapes, colors, and even physics equations. Yeah, y'all heard me. Pamela's favorite memory of Sunny's reading is when they appeared together on Good Morning Texas. Not only did Sunny perform his reading perfectly, even in the busy TV studio, but he also picked the 2011 Super Bowl winner. All right, so if you go to Pamela's website, you can click on Sonny's website, and you can see him reading and counting. My son is he's blown away. My daughter, too, blown away by Sonny reading and counting. I saw the videos, and I'm just like, wow. So you know my next question. Like, what the process, the learning process, and guys, don't don't get smart, Okay. No, he wasn't opening up his mouth and, and reading like we read. But she held up flashcards, and they had two words on them. And she would ask him a question like, um, Sunny, what are you? I remember this one. Sunny, what are you? Are you a dog or a person? And so his paw would tap her hand with the, the card in it that had person because he classified himself as a person, not a dog. All right. Um, Sunny, what do you have around your neck? Do you have a collar or I can't remember the other response. Um, but he would tap her hand, his Paul would tap her hand that had the flashcard that said collar. He was reading the flashcards. She would have a card, the cards would face you and I. Um, with and they would have a number like one or ten. And she would say, you know, like, um, 
you know, where's number one or ten, and he would, his paw would tap her hand with the correct, you know, response. He was counting. How did he master this? Well, I started out. He already he already knew touch, like when you have when you're teaching a dog agility or some of the dog sports rally and stuff. That while they're while they're paw touch or nose touch mm-hmm. your hand, mm-hmm. like target training. So he already had that in his brain. And so what I started with, and I believe it's at the very end of him learning his color video where I show how I taught him a little bit. But what I started with is I started with just one flashcard in my hand, and it was the correct answer flashcard. So his name, for example, written on the card. And I held the card in my one hand, and I would say, Sonny, what is your name? And then I would tell him, touch. And he would paw touch my hand with the card in it. And I would trade hands back and forth every couple questions so that he didn't get used to hitting it just in my right hand or just in my left hand. And after he got used to that, what is your name question, I dropped the touch after it. I stopped telling him what to do. And he just knew, okay, I'm going to touch the card with that she's holding, the hand that's holding the card. And so then I introduced the second, the dummy card, the wrong answer card. And I started saying, what is your name? And switching the right answer between my right and left hand so it wasn't consistent and asking him, what is your name? And the crazy thing is is when people would watch me, they're like, he's not even looking at the card. You're giving him some sort of signal because it did. It looked like he never took his eyes off of me, but yet he was hitting the right answer. And so I believe it was the geometric shape uh, video that my dad actually filmed it from two different angles so that you could see. I'm not giving him signals. I'm not Mm -hmm. moving my hands. He does know what I'm asking of him, but that's how I started. Every new card started, the correct answer was the only card in my hand, conditioned him to that question and to touching that card before I introduced the wrong answer card. And then I would continue talking to him. (laughs) Wow. I was blown away. And I told you my, my son is just like, Mom, I, I don't get it. I don't <laughs> I don't get it. Like now I'm going to go and, and train our dog to do that and we we can't even get our dog to bark, bless his heart. It's just, it's just amazing. Our dog just sits there and, and he looks and yeah. <laughs> so just if you go, make sure you go to the website. If you go to PamelaFolan.com, on it's the home page. Scroll down to the bottom. You'll see Sunny's um, website. If you'll click on that. You'll be able to go and watch all of the videos. Believe it or not, they're there. You can watch them all. You can read all about Sunny. Um, there's a book also. You can read all about Sunny. And um, what happened to him? He developed liver failure at a very young age and uh, just in a matter of 
about three or four months, he went down very, very quickly because his liver just stopped functioning, just completely stopped functioning. Wow. It is it is just so um, – it is so – I don't want to. I don't want to use the word amazing, but I don't think people realize how um, similar pets are to humans when it comes to diseases and illnesses. And I didn't until we became a pet owner um, for the first time years ago, um, and my Maltese got sick, and I thought like that really happens like I didn't I didn't understand um until you know the pet became sick and I thought wow like I knew you know you know you have to make sure that they they're they get their shots and um to avoid certain illnesses but um the diseases that that we get like I wasn't aware that you know they were capable of getting I mean my dog didn't get that but I wasn't aware that you know, they were even capable of getting, I just wanted the cute Maltese, you know, um, but right. I started to do, you know, more research and, and just thought like, you know, no, I'm not cut out for this. Um, my heart isn't cut out to deal with, you know, um, humans having to um, pass on and deal with this and then your kids have to suffer and then you have to bury the, the pet the same way that you have to do the humans and, you know, I just wasn't cut out for that and then here we go again with with another pet, and so I had no idea, you know, just this, again, the same, like, the eye conditions, and, you know, all of that, I had no idea, I didn't, I didn't, so it takes, I feel that it takes a, uh, a very special type of individual to be able to provide that type of pet care, um, such as yourself, uh, and when I read, like, pet CPR and pet first aid, I was just like, wow, like, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, if something happened well, to my pet today, I couldn't do it. Well, thankfully, I've never had to use the CPR. on. I mean, I know how to do it, and I've taught how to do it. Thankfully, I've never had to do it on a live pet. But you're right. You do go through that. Oh, I I don't want to lose the pet. I don't want to feel the pain of another loss of a pet, but, you know, four or five six months after Sunny passed away, I got another zoo because the house just <laughs> seemed empty without What's a dog in it. Yeah. And so, um, but back to, back to Sunny, uh, the, it's a picture book series that is the Sunny, the wonder book dog series. And the first book in the series is Sunny from outer space. And when Sunny was alive, we, and he would go with me to the pet hotels every day. He was my demo dog at the training classes every time. And he did not, like they had the doggy daycare and the doggy exercise where the dog could go play in another room while uh, someone was standing in there. And usually I was either uh, working with another dog or working the front desk or doing something. Well, Sonny would not stay in the playrooms with the other dogs for anything. <laughs> he would last about 30 seconds, and then he would start crying, just like, let me out of here. And he actually had a very <laughs> unique doggy cry. We called it the Banshee scream because oh, it did no. sound 
like nothing you've ever heard before when he wanted out to come find me. He would rather be wherever I was. So uh, everyone at the pet hotel got to know him very, very well, the clients and my coworkers, everybody, to where we started calling him a human in a furry body because he did not <laughs> act like the other dogs we were caring for. So when I wanted to start writing a series that highlighted how intelligent Sonny was, I had to come up with a creative way of explaining his intelligence. Well, had to be an alien from outer space. Had to be an alien in disguise as Sonny the Shizu come to Earth and has to learn how to be a dog and acclimate to Earth. So that's what Sonny from outer space is all about. And it's a picture book. Okay. Now, Sonny's Sunny's publishing company, right? Sunny's Legacy Publishing, yes, is my publishing company. Now, does your your company, um, since you're in and out through all different um, pet hotels, um, does your company, are they active in your local community as well? Yes, I'm, I do uh, local events where I'm uh, do like I'm doing the McKinney Farmers Market this weekend. While I'll be doing a book signing up in a local market, uh, I'm going to start teaching creative writing classes at the local Parks and Rec uh, next month. And I've okay. also been uh, taught, visiting with uh, Rotary Clubs and Lions Clubs talking about the things that pets can teach children. When you first um, started your publishing company, what was your mission initially? To teach, to teach young readers how and what it takes to have a pet that is is a lo- is a very loved family member and is very very well cared for as well as just you know writing an entertaining series i kind of i kind of had several missions i mean i definitely wanted to teach young readers what it takes to have a pet and care for them properly I wanted to entertain them with all of my pet experience, and I wanted an outlet for my creative side, and I kind of got it off. I love it. Do you feel that what you um, are doing and what you've accomplished thus far, that you are positively making a difference in the world? I I think so, definitely. I think so, too. Um, this is a question that I've asked everyone recently, um, especially those who um, are making a positive impact uh, on the world, especially with our youth nowadays. What is the last thing that you have learned? Last thing I learned... I've, like I said, I'm continually learning about 
writing and everything. I guess the the last thing I learned was was more towards the marketing and working with the Parks and Rec to be able to start teaching the students creative writing. And so I've really been reading up on how to engage the not only preschoolers and kindergartners, but also elementary, middle school, and high schoolers in creative writing and learning activities to do to really make my class something exciting because I know from my school experience that if the teacher's not into it, the students aren't going to be into it, and you need that positive energy to get the students engaged. So that's one of the last things I learned. And now what's the last thing that you've taught someone? Uh, I've actually started working with several uh, other writers that are wanting to self-publish their books. So I've been teaching them how to format their books, how to publish their books on Amazon, how to publicize their books and market themselves. And it's, it's been great. That's great. Do you feel that that's, that's a way that um, it will help you to foster a stronger uh, business-to-consumer relationship as well? I think so, definitely. I think it will maybe allow me to have more and more consulting and different areas uh, beyond just selling my books and being doing the book signings. I think it's going to give me other venues to potentially grow the business in. Yeah. If there's someone who's listening right now and they're just starting out as an author, um, and especially the last two questions asked, um, and they say, you know, I want to get into this, um, especially, you know, the marketing part of it. I'm excited about, you know, what she just talked about. What piece of advice would you offer to that author? For that writer, what would you say to them? For for marketing their book? Yes. Well, the market, marketing their book, uh, as what I've found out is that it's not going to be a push-button autopilot. You push the book through on Amazon and all of a sudden it's selling. It's very, very much tied to you being active, to you being present in the community, and to you making the contact and really being a walking billboard for yourself, essentially. Um, As far as social media, I mean, I'm active on three social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I found that I get the biggest response and the biggest uh, amount of follows when I post first thing in the morning. If I post before 8 a.m., then I get, like, a huge response, which is what I did to promote this radio show. This first thing this morning, that's what I did. And um, But also just to keep reading 
everything that is coming out about the independent publishing world and about uh, Amazon's publishing platform because it's always evolving. It's always changing. There's something new. And uh, about a month ago, I went to a big writer's conference uh, in a town adjacent to Dallas, where I live. And it was not just children's book authors. It was independent authors of all genres. And you would not believe the little tips and feedback and ideas that came from talking to a couple of nonfiction authors and a romance author and all these things that you think you're not going to have anything in common with. I found I can pick up tips from just about anywhere and from anybody. Not everything is going to be completely the same across all the genres, but I, you can definitely get ideas by talking to other writers and reading anything and everything you can get your hands on. That that was good advice. I don't think I've heard that before um, in any interview from any independent um, artist in any community. Um, you have to be able to open your 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 scope. Um, so if you are a, a an artist who is, uh, and I'm just using the the music scene right now. If you're a hip hop artist, you have to be able to listen to all genres of music um, to be able to get some, you know, good advice. You have to listen, you know, because you you never know where that inspiration is going to come from. So for the authors, you never know where the inspiration is going to come from, um, whether you're you're reading it, whether you're listening to it, you know, how you're hearing it, how you're seeing it. You never know where the inspiration is going to come from. So that, that was good advice right there. Um, unfortunately, it's that time of the evening uh, where we are down to the last five minutes of the show. So I do want to give you the opportunity, Pamela, to go ahead and get all of your contact information out now so that those who are listening live can contact you if they're interested in, of course, purchasing your book, um, if they're interested in um, having you come to their city for any kind of uh, book signings, um, for whatever they may need um, you to um, get in contact with you for. The floor is now yours to go ahead and get your contact information out to them now. Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way you can get to anything and everything by going to my website, PamelaFoland.com. And uh, that will have a way to email me directly where I'm going to be appearing at book signings, uh, links to my social media, as well as my blog that I recently started where I post pet care tips and ideas, as well as a lot of short stories that I've been writing, as well as. Uh, information about my books and pictures of my pets and all sorts of fun things. So check out my website, PamelaFolan.com, and you can, it will also have links to go to Amazon to purchase my books. In case you missed that, that was Pamela Folland, 
with a D.com. Again, you can find all of her social media contact information there, as well as how to purchase her books available on Amazon as well there. Thank you again for joining us this evening, Pamela. Again, you could have been any place, but you took the opportunity and your time to be here with us this evening. I thank you so much. Uh, to our thank fans, you. Listening audience, you are so very welcome. I thank you all for being here at the special new time of 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know some of you probably tuned in. You tuned in late because you're used to being here at 7 p.m., but again, the new time is 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure that you're tuning in this Saturday for a special uh, live show um, with Dr. Monica Bickerstaff um, from Las Vegas. She's the uh, Fountain of Youth Guru. We will be um, here with her um, again, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think that is 4.30, no, 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, launching her uh, 100% um, beauty and health essentials products that will be launching um, at the Macy's Market Fashion Mall in Vegas on Sunday the 4th. Yes. So make sure that you're tuning in here again, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I'm wrong, guys. That show will be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, yes, and 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, yes, on Saturday, August the 3rd, and the product line launches on Sunday, August the 4th. Whew. Yes. There we go. I got it. So as always, I want to leave you with a quote this evening, and this one is literary. You don't start off writing good stuff. You start off writing crap and thinking it's good stuff. And then gradually, you get better at it. That's why I say one of the most valuable traits is persistence. That's Octavia E. Butler. Until Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you all have a good night. Good night, Ms. Pamela. Thank you. Bye. And you're welcome.